America's Day at the Races returns this Saturday on Fox Sports to cover Cigar Mile Day. Tune in this Saturday to watch 10 exhilarating races, including four stakes headlined by the $500,000 Cigar Mile. Join J.K., Maggie Wolfendale, Acacia, and the Fox team for live racing, expert analysis, expert picks, and more. Bet on the races using Naira Bets. New members can get a $200 deposit match. It's nonstop fun at the Aqueduct Fall Meet. For schedules and showtimes, visit inthemoneypodcast.com slash TV. And if you're looking for coverage, we've got a separate show all about the Pick 6 with me, Stephen, Christ, and JK. Look for that wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Friday, December 1st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. we got a lot cooking on the network this week. We're going to have um, the JK and Lafitte Sports Podcast making its debut. I'm excited for that side bet. We're going to have special coverage of Del Mar. I'll be out there on Sunday. If you're at Del Mar Sunday, let me know. Uh, and what else do we have? we got another special presentation. Oh, yeah. We've got Steve Christ and JK talking about the pick six on Cigar Mile Day. That'll be on YouTube and as a standalone show. Here we're going to tackle some synthetic racing from uh, Turfway Park and from Woodbine. We'll start at Woodbine and to chat about it with me. We bring in our man when it comes to all things Woodbine, Drew Cotney. Drew, how are things? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We had, we had a good stretch of weather here in Columbus, Ohio. It is like the perfect gloomy day to like hunker down with some coffee and PP. So I like it. We are. Point of clarification. I've had a couple of people tell me this is going back a few weeks now, but I've actually had a couple of people tell me, and I haven't told you this, you're hearing it for the first time mm-hmm. that our conversation coming out of breeders cup, when we were sort of deconstructing there was one line in particular that i think was misunderstood by people and i can't remember if you said it or i said it i think but it was i think it was misunderstood we were talking about how um the line was something like we should have won and multiple people mentioned to me that that came off as you know kind of like arrogant slash disrespectful of uh uh, ironically because he's obviously such a great friend of the show but of of sean and his great accomplishment. But I kept, the more I thought about it, I was like, I think it was a misunderstood comment. It wasn't so much of, we should have won the BCBC so much as it, we should have won an awful lot of money on the day by sticking. Yes. A lot of things happened that, you know, the entry that we were part of easily could have won the whole contest, but it was more of a lament of, it was a big score was all there for the taking based on the original plan of action that you so brilliantly drew up that, uh, you know, and I'll fully admit responsibility for this. I, I helped uh, encourage changing on the fly. So it was more a sense of this should have been a big winning day instead of a zero. Uh, No disrespect meant to anybody else who competed in the tournament. Yeah, no, I think it goes in three, three fashions of uh, we, I I, I should have won. Uh, The first is I should have won knowing uh, if, if, if all the variables were right and laid out of, I have to get to 250,000 in the last two races, I hate the turf. I should have won because I knew two things going into that day and I forgot or just mental blank. One, that double pool can't take the money that we had. So we catapulted the probabilities of no balls up 
to an insane proportion <laughs> as we had 75 plus thousand in that pool. I think we were about 10 to 7% of that pool overall f- focused on three horses. So oh, it was. yeah, uh, four, 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 four. Um, so, so I should have won knowing I hated that bet. And if I sat 150 plus comes, comes my way and we'll have, we would have some fun stacks of money on the table. I should have won part two of that story is I should have won and known, Hey, that's a terrible idea, but I still want to stick with the original plan. That was elite power and hammer elite power. I bet that money. I end up third. I should have won. I should have stuck to the original plan. Right. And the third way, like why we said, I, or I said I should have won was the original script. If I ignore the leaderboard, because our intention was we thought people were going to leverage really big swings and we saw a little bit of it, but we didn't see as much of it. And I would have gotten lucky, lucky that that number would have won. I got, would have got lucky because I think the second place finisher dashed two horses together instead of just one. Got lucky there. Would have gotten lucky there. And then the second part was I would have gotten lucky with elite power being an eight to five instead of the four to five or even money that I predicted. So it, it's would have been shorter was, with seventy five thousand extra on there, but but not but not all that much. Right, right, and and so if I would have stuck to the original plan and not done a bunch of leaderboard watching, which is I think something I'm taking away from from that weekend. There were just so many outs and ways in which to get the job done that was on paper that I think that's where the I should have won comes from of, I mean, heck, again, even sitting on my hands with $75,000, I walk away 10th, 12th with money. So that's the lament. It's not like, oh, Sean and I have even chatted since then. And I mean, he's a tremendous friend and support. And by golly, by him being able to leverage such a small amount of his bankroll, and and get the job done in record-setting fashion. My hat's always off to him. And it's, I, goat, I mean, it's goat it's goat horse player stuff for sure. And and none of it. it I think some other. I don't think Sean was one of them, but I think some other people took it as a little bit of a of a swipe almost. Oh, we got this guy got lucky. We should have won. It was more. I don't see it that way as all of what you were saying so much as it should have been a huge day. Whether it was first, second, or third, those options. There's really no reason with your opinions and, and the way that you planned on playing that, that you should have been any worse than third and third in a major like the BCBC still a major win. Therefore you should have won. That's how I, yeah. that's how I interpret. Yeah. And, and, and let's get this right here. It's, it's not, I should have won. I was an idiot. Comma. <laughs> I could have won if, if otherwise. So, so no, like there's no there. Yeah. I, I, I made a terrible bet. I hated the turf and I knew the double market or the turf uh, sprint and I knew the double market couldn't take it. And I made a tremendous mistake. And I, you know, I, let's call those three, three that I just outlined why I was an idiot on the day. <laughs> Great stuff. All right. We could move on now to the scheduled order of programs, which is talking about Woodbine. And I actually really like this sequence, um, these last four races. I, I don't usually play pick fours here. I'll play rolling doubles. I'll play horses to win. I may actually take out be damn, play the, the pick four in the sequence because I like it enough. We'll start off with the first leg of the sequence. Start at the start, race number seven, with these uh, three-year-old allowance fillies going six and a half on the synthetic. 
How do you want to light this candle? Yeah, I I mean, this is a brutally tough race. So I'm curious to get your opinion because the favorite um, has failed twice at this level. And I'm going to go with the number six, Silken Dollar at 10 to 1. I'm looking for an outside face, and these other horses have been trading punches, it seems like. And maybe you're just tailing off in the season, and this runner comes second off a layoff and might be ready to go in the for the winter months. Uh, last off – uh, the layoff had some good speed and I think could get loose in this spot. So oh, see, we are, we could not be more oppo here. So you don't, you don't look at, you don't look at the time form us pace map. Um, I, I can tell from what you're saying. Cause to me, silken dollar is the abs, even though at 10 to one is still like the absolute bet against of this race, because here's a horse that was able to go on a very, very even lead with no competition for the lead who projects on the time form pace map to be no better than the sixth, fastest horse early in this race so I, I would go so far as to say i i don't think she has a chance in here so it'll be you know you could you can look very smart tipping a 10 to 1 that i say can't win i think the favorite who you were denigrating is is clearly the one in this spot mrs green to me she's only missed by three quarters of a length twice both those races were at at comparable levels to this one i think the six and a half one of those last two was was six against the flow. That was a speed favoring day. So I think that blunted her late kick a little bit. She still got within three quarters and yeah, I mean, didn't get the job done against, uh, against uh, ambassador Luna last time. But I think, I think it's laid out for her with a good inside run stalk and pounce. I just think the trip is going to be fantastic. And then I think the right one potentially as uh, as a backup for me is the one a game. This horse has the huge race, Big number back in May. And yeah, you could say, oh, well, isn't she a flow downgrade from the last? I don't think she was suited by the really, really slow pace that race mm. was ran. And I think she's better off with a little bit of a gallop in front of her and and coming from off the way she was able to do in that huge run back in May. So I'm, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going on a long dissertation to tell you why I'm picking the first and second choices, but I feel like <laughs> you lock this one up. And I definitely have preference for Mrs. Green, and I'll use a little bit of the, the one. And and yeah, no uh, no silken dollar, uh, silken dollar, no sixes will be gracing my tickets in this spot. But uh, hey, if I'm wrong, I'll be happy that you were right. Yeah, I can't I can't believe that that horse is going to be rated uh, sixth on the time form pace projector because silken dollar got that was the first start on the all weather. So my thought is here: a wake up, a four year old starts on a new turf and starts to love it found the speed in the right footing and could get loose again. I wonder if that time form is factoring in some of these other turf. It definitely is. No, it definitely is. If you just look at the raw time form number, the first pace number for Silken Dollar was a 107, which is actually would put her loose. So, I mean, you're, you're definitely making, you're definitely making a good point. Uh, I'm into mischief is the one who probably had the second uh, best pace figure early if yes. you're just looking at raw pace figures last time with that 102 but um yeah i mean just look going through the pps what you're saying does make sense but I, i'm gonna defer to the algorithm here i for one welcome our robot overlords and uh we'll we'll get to see how it plays out in the seventh race on saturday who would do you yeah. want any other numbers or are you just gonna mess around with the six yeah. and leave it there no but i think this is cool to be able to talk about the robot overlords and at least we understand what is happening of, hey, there's some other races that are uh, different surfaces, different track, 
different jockey colony, some raiding going on. And I'm betting that Hernandez just let this one loose last time and Campos gets aboard and is going to ask for the same thing. So I think it's fun that we're able to have that discussion. And oh, just it's, it's very interesting. I, I will now be thrilled if I'm wrong, just because it ended up being a lively uh, podcast conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to get back to the, the question, That's any it. other, just six alone or any other numbers for you? Six for alone. Numbers? I think the six is going to get down to four to one, five to one, and then it becomes a pretty bad bet but we'll see i I don't know i think you're gonna get a price and i think i mean i like the idea one angle you know i love is when they get onto the new i'm sort of doing something that i often criticize which is when they get onto the new surface a lot of times people do what i'm doing and they're looking at the body of work to come up with their assessment whereas you can argue the handicap is out the window the only relevant line is the last line if that's the case Sometimes they improve again. So, yeah, that, I'm, I suddenly have a lot of interest in this seventh race at Woodbine on Saturday. We'll uh, we'll, we'll make sure to, uh, to to have some bets going in it. We got some stakes racing on Saturday, um, starting with the Clarendon stakes for the two-year-olds going six furlongs on the synthetic. And this was a race where uh, I guess I'm chalky here, but I'm, I'm chalk. These are horses that I'm willing to go to the mat with. Midnight Mascot. That gray stakes run was just okay, but that race mm-hmm. to me looks very, very live. The two to come back out of it have both run improved figures by at least five on the buyer scale. And I also thought that that maiden win was better than it looked, overcoming what was, according to Timeform's uh, algorithm, a speed bias that day. Third time off layoff now, top connections. But the biggest angle is, I just think in class terms, Midnight Mascot might have a lot over these racing in the better maidens and stakes as opposed to some of these who are who are advancing from the, the the less classy maidens at Woodbine. All about the three for me. What do you like in here? Yeah, three is my top choice for all you listed here. I, I think also Midnight Mascot will get the right setup. I think there's some pace pressure in here that others haven't faced, like the yep. inside horse competitive touch is going to get pressed by Guncourt. And that's my second choice in case this one gets loose. The number seven Guncourt really needs to – bring it forward in terms of uh, in terms of class, but again, could could potentially get loose in here. Like going just the six furlongs last time out was six and a half. So, but I'm in 90% of my money is running through the number three midnight mascot. Three, seven for Drew, mostly on the three, which brings us to race number nine. Another one where I think we're going to have a, a, a strong favorite that I find a little bit hard to oppose. This is the horse that I think could get loose in the number one Onella with the two-year-old Phillies here uh, on the synthetic in the Shady Well Stakes. Are you with or against Onella? I'm just hoping to that Saturday's card is uh, speed favoring because I'm going to make some money. Uh, if it is, uh, because I'm on Onella. Uh, I think this one's going to be loose. Ran a huge debut, setting hot pace and grinding home the final 16th as the others that were hanging with this one really faded. So even visually, this one was against the pace and still held on. Um, so I think to the lead today and keeps the uh, starts with the blinkers for the first time and KK aboard. So. Yeah, there's a lot to there, there, there's a lot to like. And Kimura did pick this one over the stakes placed Vando. Feels like one who's just supposed to improve second up for Kevin Attard. The fear, such as it is, the field for Monella's first race hasn't done anything. 0 for 5, mm-hmm. no figure improvement. I mean, no mean, Well, one of them improved figures, but no meaningful figure improvement to me. But I think that the fact that the other horse that looks to be a contender for the speed, Master Aragorn, was one that took advantage of what looked to be a, a strong speed bias and Onella having the blinkers and the rail. I, I think she's going to be probably be able to get away and bury them. Complete agreement from us in race number nine. 
which brings us to the pay leg, where we've got a starter allowance for Phillies and Mares going six and a half on the synth and a field of nine. This one I had to spread a little bit, but we'll ask you the key question when it comes to all these late picks at Woodbine on Saturday, Drew. How are we going to get paid? Yeah, yeah, and I, I have two, but I want to go back to the the previous race. Please. It is curious that there are no horses that really want to finish. And yes. if you're if you're someone who's looking for a finishing type, um, maybe maybe you go King. Uh, King Concerto has Kids Concerto closed decently in the granted with maybe the benefit of a setup according to the the red fractions in time form. But Kids Concerto I think would be the the obvious best closer, maybe exacta partner. Onella blows the speed apart, and right. Kins Concerto comes running late. I, I could see that from an exotic point of view. I, and I think I'm going to use it as my second horse. I'll, I'll use that as a backup here. So the one and the three for me. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all good. Proceed the to the What do you like here? Yeah, so the three kittens romance five to two. Strong figures on the all-weather and gets in here at the same class. She just beat in a stock and press trip. Nothing creative. And then the number four, Lois Lenz, is a speed horse. And here, who faded going to seven furlongs today, cuts back to six and a half. And today gets what I think should be a softer pace. So three, two horses for me, the three and the four. Those are my top two picks as well. I really, watching back that common race, I thought Kitten's Romance was really impressive and was probably better than the margin of victory ahead of, uh, of Wicked Mercury there, given um, the, the all the flow data had it won where you, you probably wanted to be more where Wicked Mercury was than Kitten's Romance. And Kitten's Romance just looked so good in the lane, whereas Wicked Mercury was kind of sputtering, getting out. Uh, the problem with Kitten's Romance for me is that was by far her best race as a six-year-old mare. Now, a lot of times that's, I'm not a big bounce guy as people, everyone who's listened to the show knows, but when you see a six-year-old mare pop a, a figure like that, sometimes I worry that it could be an anomaly, but here's the thing. The barn is still flying, and I'm not going to oppose based on the strength of that last race and the form of the yard. So uh, keeping on side Kitten's Romance for sure, but I can't single. Now back to that same point about the flow of the last race, Lois Len was maybe a little bit better than it looked, given that she was the clear best speed on a day that was tilted towards closers, and she looked significantly better than the other speed here. So if this is a speed day, as you were suggesting earlier, Drew, I think Lois Len is the one who could benefit. So I definitely want some force. And I will throw in, because of my just little lack of certainty about Kitten's Romance, based on the fact that, you know, five-year-old Merrick coming off a, or is it a six-year-old mare? Six-year-old mare coming off a top. Wicked Mercury did run well enough last time. And I do think, you know, part of what, when Wicked Mercury was looking tired late, that might've been the six and a half. So she might be ideally suited to this cutback. So Mm -hmm. give me the five as a backup as well. I'm going to have to be a little flaky here. Three, mostly three and four, but a little five for me. And this is a situation where I might just be playing some very, very, tight you know i'm going to be getting involved in all the horizontals very tight with these very few numbers and hopefully a couple of them can win it could be a nice winning day at woodbine yeah yeah i mean there's so many uh these races are always so competitive and if you can get skinny i think you can unlock some value so yeah get get after it let's get some winners we we did have jackson Munez and i both were on the same uh 20 horse last weekend lady cantana that got yes so i noticed we, that i noticed hopefully that. we can grab another one yeah, very. Yeah, we had some good. We had some good stuff. I mean, uh, Jackson's been doing a great job. Hoping to get him involved doing some turfway stuff as well. And speaking of turfway, that's what's coming up in our next segment. The segment's going to be brought to you both by 
the KTDF, who you'll be hearing from during the show, and also our friends at Adelphi Racing, because we've got some Adelphi runners, including one that I have a, an interest in at Turfway. So we thought it was a great idea to combine. But before we let you get out of here, any uh, closing thoughts on the weekend? I know you've been looking at Gulfstream. Any opinions to share with uh, with the listeners on that one? JK and I will have also separate shows. Actually, I need to post one. Uh, that I forgot to do this morning. We're covering the the it's the the new all turf pick three from Gulfstream. Three dollar minimum, fifteen percent nice. takeout. They're doing it right down there at Gulfstream, and I'm excited to get started with those bets. You have any thought on on any of those races or anything else we might see at GP? No, I might be playing in the contest there, and if I have time to do a write up, I might post something to plus. Do that, that. yeah. That's those write ups are very popular. Yeah, yeah. And I, I forgot Gulfstream has all weather. I haven't looked at Gulfstream in a long time. So it's a little confusing at this point now how to map out because uh, sometimes the all weather is a little You don't need to. You don't, I, don't, I think in the contest you don't need, necessarily need to bet no. those races. But the, no. the new turf course is there. And hopefully that's going to get some great reviews from, from horsemen. We'll see how it, we'll see how it works. Um, there's just the three turf races, but then also, you know, a mix of, of dirt and sand. It, it gives you a lot of options to, to choose from. Uh, right. And the contest you're referring to, that's being run by our friends at Express Bet. If folks want to go and check that out, it's kind of cool, low ratio qualifier for uh, for the big Pegasus contest coming up, which I assume you're looking to participate in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and the, as I said with the Breeders' Cup, uh, there's no way you – the whole I, I should have won. When you end up with zero, there's no should have. You did it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully that message gets, uh, gets through uh, – crisp and clean um but no we're excited i think it's going to be a good season i already have the grade one gamble uh airbnb set up so nancy nice. and the wife will be going so which yeah, weekend is that that is april i think it's tentative so listeners do not hold me accountable to <laughs> i believe it's either the 13th or the 20th i guess the 13th if you can stallify for a second. Yeah, I'll stallify. I'll stallify for you. I'm glad that we got to get into some of that stuff we were talking about before because that was a probably a major host fail of me on the first show you and I did back after after Breeders' Cup due to my being upset about the fact that I felt like I probably should have collected somewhere between one hundred and two hundred fifty thousand dollars and and as much as uh, as great as we do here at, at in the money media that would have been nice uh, that would have that, that that money would have provided a nice little cushion in life. Anyway, have you found what we need? Yeah, April thirteenth. It is not. A, I don't think it's official yet, but uh, but that's, that's almost that, always right. the weekend. It's not the first weekend, which will be bluegrass, right? Um, but yeah, I I will. I don't know. I, I may try to get down to Keeneland for more than one weekend this year. I'm just. I've been loving it so much. You know, I'm. I'm. I might try to come down for bluegrass and just stay through the contest. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Well, obviously. Well, we don't have anything official yet, but it'd be very disappointing if we're not working with Keeneland once again here on the In the Money Media Network. All right, that's it. We're in good shape. Drew, appreciate your thoughts. Hopefully we'll get that right up from you and uh, look forward to speaking with you next week. Yeah, I'm just laughing that you're going to become a bluegrass bum here uh, after <laughs> after the end of April's meet. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm hoping. I'm hoping we can make it work. We'll see if we can get the – it'll help a lot if I can get the family down one weekend. You know what I mean? But anyway, we'll see. We'll yep. see how that goes, and we'll be talking soon.
We're proud to be partnered with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses. So breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on racing and breeding investments. Because of the benefits of the KTDF, Churchill Downs, Turfway Park, and Kentucky racing as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. For more information, please check out InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash KTDF. Next up on the show, returning guest, I always love to talk racing and horse ownership with, from Adelphi Racing Club, it's Matt Kater. Matt, how are things? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? Really looking forward to uh, a pretty fun weekend of racing. We got all this good stuff in New York, but the action not just limited here. I, I thought I thought we in the previous segment of the show, we talked about Woodbine's card, which still looking pretty strong. And then, of course, Turfway has uh, has started off with a bang with uh, big full fields and exciting racing. And we're happy to be uh, to be covering them as well. And, and I was pleased to see so much Adelphi participation out at Turfway Park. How did that how did that come about? Was that always in the plan or, or just something that worked out that way? No, I mean, look, I think we've um, we've been sending a couple of more horses over the course of the last, you know, six to 12 months to Arno Delacour. Um, who's primarily based at Fair Hill um, throughout the spring, summer, and fall, but um, historically has gone down to Tampa in the winter. Um, and, you know, this year he's decided to send a string to Turfway. Obviously, there's a lot, uh, you know, from a purse perspective there uh, that's attractive. And, um, you know, so we've, we've, we've had a, a couple horses that, you know, maybe weren't good enough to make it in New York um, or, you know, potentially were turf horses in New York that um, we were – contemplating selling, you know, in January or February at those, uh, sales in Kentucky that, you know, Turfway made a lot of sense for, you know, in terms of like shipping them out of New York at the end of the fall turf season and giving them a start or two, uh, at Turfway before, you know, they go into the sale in January. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we've got a, a couple of other horses that excel on synthetic tracks that, you know, makes a lot of sense for. So just kind of like a, a combination of things, but mostly, um, you know, tied to our relationship with our node who does a really, really good job. And, um, we've had some some good success with over the last year. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. I had the pleasure of hanging out with him um, and his wife Lee at the at the Saratoga sale this year, and they both have excellent uh, horse backgrounds. Arnaud having uh, worked for Christophe Clement, Lee having worked for Graham Motion. I mean, it, it's no surprise they have the success that they do. And I'm, I'm personally, as an Adelphi member myself, very happy to see the the Delacour uh, team in the fold. No, it's it's a, a top class operation. Um, you know, they do a great job. Obviously, they're both very involved in the business, and um, you know, from top to bottom, we've been been really impressed. Um, we we won a race. Uh, actually, our, our first start with Arno, we won um, with a, a filly that's going to run in a stake actually at Turfway next weekend. But um, when we won, we sent them some uh, some Chick Fil A, and uh, they were nice enough to send us a picture of of the barn um, in front of. Uh, community adjusted stall and uh the stall was it might have been bigger than my master bedroom like the, <laughs> the the setup there is phenomenal so they're they're great at what they do and they have a really uh a really really nice setup at fairhill for the horses so it's have it's you a good spent place. any time at the fairhill training center i have not um no. i, I want to get there um exactly. yeah yeah i've just seen some pictures and obviously heard from people who have been there you know you know we obviously use uh Ray handle a lot for uh, our New York based horses. And he spent uh, a bunch of time there earlier on in his career and uh, he raves about it. And, you know, everybody that I've ever talked to about it, that's been there or worked there or whatever talks, talks really, 
really nicely about it. And honestly, it's it's um, the facility that they have there. The stuff that they they have for horses is is really good. You know, beyond the the setup with the stalls and stuff like that. You know, if you've got you've got horses that maybe have bad feet that you know you don't want to train on. You know. Con- uh, conventional dirt every day they've got the all-weather surface there that's a little bit easier on them so it works for those kinds of horses you know they've got you know bruce jackson's got the hyperbaric chamber and some of the saltwater therapy stuff there um, which helps with horses so you just you have a lot of a lot of options there and, and and then in addition to that you can run you know out of that uh training center really wherever you want if you want to ship back in and run in new york you can if you want to run in the mid-atlantic um so it's definitely a place that uh, i'm happy you know we've got a presence in now Definitely a lot of cool other gallops too. There's the wood chip gallop and hills. And I've noticed for a long time, horses, if you have a question about a horse coming off a layoff or a question about a horse going farther than usual, I generally will give extra credit to a horse training at Fair Hill because I think those trainers have tools at their disposal that you don't necessarily get with the regular racetrack experience. And I had a beautiful day out there. It was an assignment long ago, um, the year that Animal Kingdom won the Derby. I went down there for uh, Twin Spires, actually, and did a piece just about like visiting and hanging out with Animal Kingdom one morning at, at Fair Hill. And it was it was just such a great experience. I think of it. I think of it frequently. So that's that's a very cool uh, little tangent for us. But let's get into the meat of the matter here. We're going to start off with an Adelphi race that I'm a part of, which is the very first race on the card, this maiden claiming 15 for uh, three and up fillies and mares going six and a half on the synthetic and I see our horse, Gotham Gray, first on the AEs. What's your prognosis? You think we're getting in here? Well, we were, we were talking a little bit, I guess, before we, we started recording this, Pete, right? And uh, I, I, I guess the good thing about Turfway having full fields is that there's more horses that could potentially scratch. So it's a full field of 12. Um, so we've got 12 options to get a scratch to get in. And at least we we are the first AE and we weren't the second AE or excluded. So um, I think we've got a good chance. Um, we'll just have to sweat it out on Saturday morning and hope, uh, hope we get some good news. Um, obviously if we do get in though, we're going to be wide, um, which I don't always love. Um, but I do think that, you know, our, our Philly's got some speed in here. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a ton of other speed in the race. So hopefully it's kind of one of the situations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, she's putting blinkers on for the first time, which, you know, was something that Arno wanted to do after, uh, you know, working her once without blinkers and then working her with blinkers. Um, he thought, you know, the, he thought and the rider thought that um, she responded well to it. So I would imagine that, you know, just given the speed that she has in general and, and with the blinkers going on, you know, even more so probably she's going to be forward. Um, hopefully she just clears and and it's not much of an issue to be outside if we do get lucky to get in. I'm I'm hoping that's the case uh, times two. And I, I think she goes, she just looks like a, a case of of one who's, very, very well spotted. I mean, she's shown flashes of talent. We've gotten some uh, some stuff to cheer for watching her run, um, especially at the the Belmont uh, race back in May. Uh, but this at this point, this just looks like the right level and, and a chance to to hopefully get a win. Um, how has the claiming activity been there? Would you, you know, I know this is a funny question to ask, but would you expect her to get claimed from this spot? Would you? How, what, what do you think is going to happen as far as that goes? You know, it's it's hard to say, right, with this kind of horse because you know she's, um, you know, she looks good in a spot like this. She looks like fair value for fifteen. I, I think perhaps if someone you know looks at it like 
you know, there are a couple of other horses in here that are logical that could potentially win this race. I think she's one of the ones that can win it. I think if somebody makes the case to themselves that, you know, breaking from the outside, you know, maybe she has a tough trip and, you know, you could save a condition. Um, you know, she might be one that someone's interested in um, for the yeah. 15. I, I'd say it's probably more of a 50-50 kind of proposition. I think, though, like you said, this is the right spot for this filly, right? Um, you know, she's she's they're, they're not all going to be super, super talented. Um, the thing I like about Gotham Gray is that, you know, she, she is a pretty honest filly. She kind of runs her race and she tries. Um, yes. You know, she got beat 14 last time, but the winner was, you know, almost seven in front. Um, and she wasn't, you know, backing up, backing up on a surface, you know, a dirt track that she didn't um, really appreciate as much. Um, I, you know, so I, I, I do think she's going to run her race. You know, I think there's a couple other horses in here that are, you know, kind of of similar ability and, you know, we're going to have to navigate the trip from the Y post if we get in, but, um, you know, she definitely has a chance to win it. And, you know, I, I could see someone, you know, looking at it, especially as in, you know, a New York bred, if, you know, somebody's willing to spend the time over the, the winner and, and, um, you know, then have the option to run back in New York, um, after that, you know, three-year-old maybe gets better when she gets older. I, I think it's a fair price, a good spot for her. And, and somebody could make the case that, you know, she's worth taking for the 15, but I I'd say it's probably 50. Who do you see as the main dangers? You know, in this race, I thought gold Oak was probably the most, uh, interesting, um, you know, that, that Philly has a couple races on her page that can win this. Um, I think she'll like the six and a half shortening back up from the mile, uh, last time. Um, and I think just given her breeding that, um, she should be pretty good, uh, on a synthetic track, you know, switching to, to, to the synthetic for the first time. Um, so I'd include her. I also thought round ball was interesting for Tim Girton. You know, that Philly got bet on debut in the off the turf race at Laurel, um, didn't really, you know, pick up her feet that day after a slow start. Um, but came back last time and I thought ran pretty well. I, I didn't think that the race on November 3rd at Laurel on the turf was like terribly deep, but I don't think that this is, you know, that deep of a race either. Um, and you know, the switch to, to Tim Girton, he's, he's a pretty good trainer. I think she's probably got uh, a pretty good shot. And I, I think also like gold Oak is another one, like just glancing at the pedigrees, I thought could appreciate the synthetic. Um, maybe more than some of the others. So those are probably the two that I'm most interested in. And then, um, you know, my my crazy idea for a price was Lady Robo uh, at 20 to 1 on the morning line. I think she'll probably be 30, 40 to 1 in here. Um, I, I know nothing about the trainer, obviously has not run uh, very well in, in her two career starts. Um, but they were, you know, tougher races at, you know, Keeneland and Churchill and definitely look like the one to me off of pedigree that, you know, would appreciate getting on the turf or the synthetic coming from straight dirt races. Um, so I don't, you know, love that horse by any means, but I thought, you know, maybe, you know, especially since it's turfway, there's always seemingly always big prices there. Maybe one that, you know, at 40 to one or something that could, you know, round out a trifecta or something. Makes a lot of sense to throw into the exotics for sure. Let's move on to race number five later in the card. where We have more Adelphi participation to kick off this late pick five this is a maiden special weight going one mile on the synthetic and um you know i i don't have a personal financial interest in the adelphi runner magistrate but i did think that he kind of leapt off the page based on that promising debut from laurel and, and might have the speed to clear certainly get a good forward sit in this spot once again for the delacour barn you feeling pretty optimistic about magistrate's chances 
Yeah, no, I, I really like him uh, on Saturday. And and look, he's a, he's a horse um, that our partners have had to be very, very patient with. You know, we bought this horse way back at Keeneland September in 2021. Um, you know, took more than two years to get him to the races. Um, he's a big, big gelding. Um, and, you know, he's just one of these horses where he was never meant to be a two-year-old in general. Um, and, you know, even in his three-year-old year, it just took us time to kind of, for him to grow into his body and to get, you know, the coordination that he needed within his body to be a, a racehorse. But, you know, once he kind of got into the swing of things in the summer, he was working really, really well, um, for our node at, uh, uh, Fair Hill. And, uh, we were pretty optimistic about his debut. Um, and he ran very well that day. It was a fast maiden special weight at Laurel, um, we got unlucky that day with an AE getting in uh, headline news coming in from New York out of some really tough races ran well. And he got a little bit green. Um, and, you know, I thought the rider was maybe uh, a little bit too passive on him down the lane, a little bit, you know, kind of, uh, w- I thought waited a little bit longer than he needed to, to, to kind of ask magistrate, um, down the lane. Um, but regardless, I thought it was a really good debut. I think, you know, Arnaud does a really good job with horses second time out. Um, and this horse should get better. Uh, you know, one of the benefits of, of, you know, we're talking about it in the beginning. One of the benefits of training horses at Fair Hill is you do get to put them over the, you know, the, the synthetic track there and you get a gauge on whether they would be good turfway horses based on how they work there. And, uh, you know, he was always one that worked really, really well on the synthetic. Um, he basically has worked exclusively on synthetic his entire you know time there. I think Arno maybe worked him once on dirt just to see, but, um, he loved the synthetic track there. He's worked well over the synthetic track since he's been at Turfway. He was worked there three times leading into this race, came out of the first race really good. I, I think he has a big chance to me. It's kind of a two horse race. I do think, you know, Cherie DeVoe's horse life at sea, um, has a big chance in there as well. Um, you know, that horse obviously is coming in off of a long layoff, but, um, has really good form lines, you know, to start. Uh, his career, you know, as a, a two-year-old at Kentucky Downs, you know, losing to Red Route One, who ended up being a Kentucky Derby trail horse. Um, and then the race at at, um, at Aqueduct um, in October, you know, the second, third, and fourth place finishers came back to win maiden special weights. The third place finisher, dude in Colorado, I think is like a minor stakes winner now as well. Um, and, you know, he was only three and a half lengths out of it there. That was a good race. And then I thought the race at Tampa was really good too. Um, you know, surprised didn't win that race. Um, but you know, did earn a 71 buyer speed figure. And from a gambling perspective, I love three-year-olds that are coming back like this, you know, a 71 in, you know, mid February for a three-year-old, you know, coming back in early December, you know, you can, if the horse is okay, you can extrapolate out a lot of buyer improvement. Um, you know, in in that they do a lot of developing over that period of time. So, you know, if that horse, does improve from a buyer speed figure perspective like he could um he's definitely a, comp- a contender in here and Cherie's been running really good this year too so uh, to me it's kind of a two-horse race I-, I like us and life at sea five eight to the hoop in race number five we'll spend a couple minutes here talking about the stakes action in the holiday inaugural and then we'll probably speed round through the last three in this pick five as i see the, the clock is uh ticking here uh, in terms of how much time we have left. But uh, as I mentioned, holiday inaugural featured race, 125,000 in the pot going six furlongs on the synthetic. I was very attracted to the 12 runner in this spot, secret money, 
who I, I really like that run two back closing well at Kentucky Downs without the benefit of a setup. Feels like the distance might have been the issue in the Valley View. Now cutting back to six furlongs going on the synth, I, I thought had every chance to make this uh, a, a winning race for secret money. Has to deal with that 12 post, but uh, you know I think you'll be compensated enough in price to make that idea worth it. Who do you like in here? Yeah, I, I included three in here. She was one of them. Um, I, I'm a little bit worried about the post, but I agree with you on everything else. The other two I liked, I, I think there's a lot of pace in here, as you said, and I thought the number six bling at five to one on the morning line um, was pretty interesting in here. Uh, you know, again, there's a lot of pace in here. She's got the right style. Um, I, it's a minor question mark for me, I guess, her facing older in here, but she's she's been in against some very nice three-year-olds and she's finished ahead of horses like Sacred Wish, who are are very good uh, horses. And, and um, you know, I, th- I think she has the quality. I think she has the running style. And then I, I also think that, you know, for me, a, a big thing with Turfway early on, and, I, you know, I, I certainly won't say I'm great at betting Turfway, but one of the things I like to look at when betting Turfway early on in the meet is like these kinds of horses that have never run on synthetic, trying to extrapolate out who's going to be good on synthetic. And American Pharaoh is a very, very good um, synthetic sire. So I think she could, you know, appreciate, the synthetic track. And then the other one that I would use would be spun glass. Um, I also think she has the right running style. Um, and speaking of, you know, synthetic sires, hard spun's probably the best synthi- synthetic sire in the U S um, from the last couple of years. And um, so I thought at eight to one, uh, that one was interesting too, along with yours. Six, eight and 12. And yeah, the numbers bear that out. Looking at Faro real quick, 16% um, actually both sprinting and routing on synthetic. So, you know, that's uh, he actually it's a better overall record than I thought he is 15 percent overall. So I, so but still a little better. And those are the best categories. And then, yeah, hard spun certainly needs no introduction. I'll stallify for just a second and look up that number because now I'm I'm super curious on spun glass. And when you click on him, you see synthetic yeah, 15 and 16 percent. Once again, very, very strong stuff. And paying attention to those breeding angles. I know a lot of people can uh, make some profits doing that when it comes to racing at Turfway. Let's speed through these last uh, three so I don't keep these folks waiting in the green room too long, Matt, for the uh, for, for the other show. But we do have this $15,000 claimer for fillies and mares going a mile that goes as race number seven. What numbers are going to be on your tickets in here? Yeah, I, I kind of wanted a price in here. Um, I also think there's a lot of speed in here. So I went with the number 10, Zig Zappa, at 8-1 to one in the morning line, a closer, you know, again, with a race that has a lot of speed. He's dropping in class quite a bit in here. Um, he's got a sibling that was very good on the synthetic track and first-time Juan Cano, and Juan Cano has good first-time out uh, stats. So I, that's probably the one I'm most interested in. Um, Lucky Anna was maybe a small use for me as another long shot at 12-1 to one in here, too. 10 and 2, some numbers to get in there in the mix in race number 7. Back to the allowance ranks in race 8, going 6.5, a a race where time form has a very loose leader, potentially, in uh, number 11 retained at 8-1 to on the morning line. How do you see this race shaping up? Yeah, I I agree that uh, there's not a lot of speed in here, and that could make it, uh, you know, an interesting race for that number 11. Um, the other horses that I'm interested in are the five uh, broken rib. That trainer is very, very good off the claim with limited starters. Um, and the switch to synthetics, again, probably a good uh, move for him. Exaggerator has good stats on the synthetic and the dam has thrown a couple of good synthetic horses as well. So one that I think will appreciate the switch. Uh, I've always liked Gregory's pride. So I'm going to include 
that one second off the layoff. Uh, and then air combat, I didn't really know what to do with, but you don't see every day a horse that starts with Bob Baffert, goes to Johnny Ortiz, goes to Brad Cox for a race, drops in, and Steve Asmussen claims it. Um, I just felt like I had to include that horse too. <laughs> I get it. It's just such an unusual pattern that uh, you, I, I have no problem at all trying to trying to include. We close yeah, it out. What's that? And he has some races on the on the page going back that, you know, obviously are competitive. So I just thought it was yeah. one that you had. Race number nine is our nightcap. Maiden claimers once again. Phillies and mares going a mile on the synth. Open looking according to the morning line. But how will it play out there on the synthetic turfway? Yeah, I thought it was pretty open. And so, you know, I tried to just pick one horse and stick to it. My concern is the post, but I do like the, the 12 uh, spring lilacs for Cherie DeVoe. Um, I liked her last race a lot. Um, her race, I guess, three back, the last race on turf before that came back good, um, you know, from a form perspective as well. Uh, Mendelssohn's another one that's very good um, in getting horses to run over the synthetic. Um, so I think she'll appreciate uh, running on synthetic um, here a little bit, you know, later on in her career than when she got to run on the synthetic over the winter earlier this year. And then, you know, I just thought four to one was a fair price. I didn't really love anybody else. Um, I do think it's probably a way more wide open race than one horse, but that's that's the one I'll probably lean on. But you know what? I'll tell you what, from a gambling standpoint, from a betting theory standpoint, it's actually quite a shrewd way to approach it. Because when you know other people are going to be spreading and you like a, a, a horse like that, you're going to get, especially in pick bets, you're going to get paid more because it looks so open. So almost why not take a chance? And then if you get there and you get alive, you know, or maybe even when you get to the late double stage and you get alive, maybe you can come up with some spreads, some hedges to cover some of the other logicals. But I think that's a really smart and interesting way to preserve equity in an, uh, in an open looking race like that. So, I mean, yeah, such great insights, Matt. I wish we could add John for longer today, but you know what? We'll do it again soon because it's always a pleasure talking to you and, and uh, about Delphi. Remember, it's evening racing. I probably should have mentioned, underlined that too. Five is it five fifty-five? Is the scheduled first post for Turfway on Saturday? First post is five fifty-five, and and hopefully you'll hear from me at like nine a.m. that we're in. So I I'm looking forward to that. As I always say, the level of communication you can hear it when Matt talks about these races too. The work that he does, you're in good hands with Adelphi Racing Club. Matt, this was great speaking with you today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Pete. That's going to do it for today's show. Just a reminder, loads of other content in your feed on the YouTube channel. Make sure to check it out. We've got Del Mar covered. We've got Gulfstream covered. Make sure to keep it locked at InTheMoneyMedia.com. Thank you so much to the guests on today's show, to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. But thanks most of all to all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.
Mar covered. We've got uh, loads of good stuff. What else do we have? <laughs> it's so funny, I forgot. 